and was happy to uh, left the room to find Brother Joseph Jose from Chicago, a very personal friend of mine, uh, standing waiting for me. And he's at the platform now, and I'd like to introduce him at this time, Brother Matthew Jose from Chicago, Illinois. Happy to meet all of you. And we flew up here from Chicago to be in this great convention and meet our good friend, Reverend Brannan. And I probably have a chance to say a word sometime, so tonight I'm not going to take any time. God bless you all, and I'm so happy to meet you. The Bible said, I believe David said, I was happy when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And where the people are gathered together is the house of the Lord. Well, last evening we were late, and uh, we're glad to see that some of you got on the phone or something, and people are gathering in. We hope that by the end of the service that the people will be gathered, a place to be filled up for the people, for the glory of the Lord. And now, last evening we were speaking on earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered into the saints. And how that God met with us and let us know what kind of faith that they had. And so today we are earnestly contending for this same faith that was once delivered to the saints and to see that we are contending for it. Now that isn't contending with each other, with the Methodist contending with the Baptist or Presbyterian or, or the Pentecostal or whatever. We're just contending against the wiles of the devil, against Buddhism, against uh, Mohammedism, and the hundreds of idols and gods of the world, and against the God of America, the God of Canada, and many of the idols of loneliness. We're contending that there's one true living God, and that he just is alive tonight as he ever was, and that we are not here just with a fictitious belief. We're not here all emotionally wrapped up in some emotion or psychology or enthusiasm. We're here in the presence of the living, resurrected Jesus Christ, who stands with us each night and proves himself to be alive, raised from the dead, and shares with us now. And I tell you, it makes the heart of a man or a woman really rejoice with great exceedingly joy to know that we are not just making up something. We're not just trying to, I'm so glad that, that the thing that I'm talking about is true. That's Jesus Christ. One time I worked for a utility company. They had a campaign on and they were selling electric lights. The mobile lamp, General Electric, and they they had a, a see who could sell the most, no prizes, just see who could get, sell the most. And we all remained together. We're having a, I was a lineman, and many others were salesmen. But before I'd ever go in to sell the lamp, before I would misrepresent anything to people, I had to know first what it was. So I went to the company, and I said, now, what about this lamp? What is it? What's it made of? What, what, what will you do? Why are you stand behind it? And they told me all about it, how long it was guaranteed. And 
<coughs> so still, I thought, I'm going to try one in a while to see what it's made out of before, even with the rule of the company, I have to experience it myself to see what it's made out of. Being an electrician at the time, I took the thing apart, took every movement out of it to find out just exactly how it was made up, how the switches, how they were tightened down, how the wires run of the current, how it was insulated, and how the reflector would work, and how tight it was, and what the material was. So I found out that it was a really a real light. So when I went to the person's house to sell the lamp, not being a salesman, but uh, I sold more lamps than all of them. Because I took in there with a knowing in my heart that what I was talking about was the truth. I said, now, I'm not coming to you to sell the lamp. I'm coming to leave the lamp here. You try it. And if it isn't just exactly what I say it is, then I'll take it up. Well, I put about 200,000 lamps out, and I took up about two or five lamps out of 200,000. Everybody, when they see it was the truth, had time to look for it, inspect it, try it out, and the company's guarantee behind it. And if one of them went bad, they knew me. I'd go right to the company. The company had to make it good to me. Now I'd have to make it good to the person. Therefore, I had to walk with a real straight face, look every man in the face, and say the product is good if you want it. And that's the way it is with Jesus Christ. As a sinner, I found him to be a Savior. And I know that he saves from sin. I experienced it. And I know that he heals sickness because I have experienced it. And tonight, with all the... The respect that I can give to him, I can look my, the people in the face, the purchase of his blood. Remember, to God you're more than the blood of Jesus because Jesus gave his blood for you. You are the purchase of his blood. And I can look at you knowing that I'll meet you at the day of judgment at the end of the world and say this one thing to that product that I am telling you about. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lives and reigns tonight, and he's just as powerful, just as real, and just as alive as he ever was at any time. Right. And uh, if in anything a man ought to be is honest, God will respect you when you become honest. I was speaking on that at, down at uh, Brother Bose's church tonight coming through. He was telling me about a few moments ago. Be honest. Be honest with one another. If you won't be honest with one another who you can see, how are you going to be honest with God who you don't see? See? You've got to be loyal and honest with one another. Brotherly love. And then God will bless you. Now, before we approach this blessed word tonight and try to get out, now, at my house, down in my country, well, it's been dark for two hours at this time. So... Uh, I was one time in the Laplands where it didn't get dark at all, and it looks like I'm almost there again. <laughs> uh, up in the, way up in, in Finland, and up in Norway in the Lapland. And in there I could, uh, the land of the midnight sun is, I, I didn't know when to go to bed. Why, well, it was sun up all the time. I make, got all mixed up sure enough. I didn't know when to eat my meals and nothing. It's just day for six months and then night for six months. So I had to be there in the daytime. Well, you didn't know when to put the service. It's still night. Go home. Be nearly midnight. Well, you still read the paper right out in the middle of the street anywhere. Just it's a little dusky like it is now at midnight. Then sun come up again. It's, it's kind of shattered down. It's a little later. Well, I stayed up all the time. So tonight, as we are gathered for one purpose, 
The Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you have something to say to us? Uh, I uh, like to say this. It's just a few days that Brother Ryan are up here, and I was caught a little bit unaware when I came in. I don't know how many of you know me, but I'm Brother Matson, who is the pastor of the Philadelphia Church in Chicago. And I'm the editor of the Herald of Faith. There may be some of you friends that read the Herald of Faith up there. Yeah, it's, uh, quite a few. I know that. <laughs> and I'm sure happy my wife is with me here also, but she won't be in before tomorrow. And uh, I want you to know this, that you have a rare opportunity to listen to a man of God. Now, I happen to have the pressure of having Reverend Branham in Chicago quite often and Many are a little jealous at me because Brother Branham comes so often to me. We had one meeting on the way up now, and Brother Branham was on the way up. And every day since that meeting was held, people have come to me, the one after the other, wherever I met people. They have said, we have never been in anything like it in all our life. It was that old-time revival spirit. That glory of the living God that alone can create revival. Now, <clears throat> I've been standing with Reverend Branham on the platform hundreds of times, I think, I dare to say. I have seen his gift of prophecy, the gift that God has given him, the gift of knowledge in operation. And I have never seen one mistake. When Reverend Branham says, So saith the Lord, then I know a distance. And my beloved friends, I want you to know that there are people probably never met Brother Branham, never probably heard much about him or learned to know him. Now these few meetings, there's only five meetings, I understand, through Friday. Let us get on the telephone. Let us cry this place out. And even tonight, you will see what you never have seen in your life. And you will say that indeed we have the same wonderful Lord. I met the Catholic in the dining car on the train, and I spoke to him. We came to talk quite a bit, and I told him about what God was doing. But he said, you don't think that you're as good as Christ? No, I said, uh, not that exactly, but we believe that Christ is as good as he ever was. Because he says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my friends, we are having a living God in our midst. Hallelujah. And you will see it tonight. And I felt I want to say this word of introduction for Brother Branham. Open your life wide open. Don't say to me, I wonder what's going to do, what's going to say. I wonder where it's, I wonder how it looks and so on. Forget all of us. We are here before the living God right now. And let the power of God come upon us from the very beginning of this meeting. As Reverend Branham begins to open up and pour out of the river of love that is within his soul. Because that's what it is. Let's open up wide open. And all the people say, Amen. God bless you. Thank you. <clears throat> if I lived up to that reputation, I'd be a pretty good man. <laughs> but you know how the Swedes are. When they love you, they love you. Who just loves me? And when a Swede can love an Irishman, that's grace. <laughs> so Brother Joseph is a very close friend of mine. He's he just loves me your whole life, and I love him too. We've been friends for a long time. Now, we're here for this purpose of serving the Lord, and I, and, uh, I heard the announcement today on the radio, and I understand that the Honorable Mayor of this city sent his representative here to open the meeting for us last night. 
I hope to get to see him and shake his hand, and that makes me feel real grateful to the man. God bless him and the one who spoke last night is my sincere prayer. Now, just before we uh, start to speak for a few moments, and then we'll kind of take a little more time until the crowd gets big enough before we can really have a real big old-fashioned healing service, we'll just kind of speak along on the Word and get you who are here now who understands and can tell the others, or has heard it explained, can tell the others. But now before we open up the Word and the best that we can, let us bow our heads and speak to the Lord Jesus by the way of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, it's with grateful hearts tonight that we approach Thee as the only true and living God, the wisdom of God, the love of God, the fountain of all good gifts and blessings come from Thee, our Lord. And we recognize ourselves as sinners before Thee in Thy presence, and not trusting that any iota of our own righteousness, because that we have none. We're not trusting upon our own merit, because we have none, but we humbly approach in the name of the Lord Jesus, trusting his merit, coming in his name, for he bid us to ask the Father anything, and his name he promised he would do it. And I pray, Father, that you will hear us in Christ's name and sanctify this meeting to thy own honor tonight. Get glory out of the service. Help us as we speak and minister to thy children. For it is this purpose we are here for, to glorify God. And we ask it in the name of his beloved Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. In the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter, and we want to read just a line uh, to and then for a little text. And my subject tonight is uh, maybe a little strange, and it's, um, I want to speak on the subject of divine love and sovereign grace. And when divine love has been projected and come to its end, its destination, sovereign grace will then take over. And in the book of Exodus, Moses, and Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. That's for a text, or scripture reading, rather. Now, we're faced in a day that when it's prophesied to us that brotherly love would become a strange thing among people. And it's in my humble belief that that is the greatest of all the gifts that there is in God's Bible. If the Lord Jesus should stand on the platform tonight and uh, look me in the face and say, I'm going to give you your choice, you can be a great person. I'll great minister. I'll give you a gift of preaching the gospel. Or I'll give you the gift of teaching the word. Or I'll give you the gift of divine healing. I'll give you the gift of prophecy. Or I'll make you a prophet. Or any of the fine gifts of faith. 
any of the gifts that's in the Bible. I'll give them everyone to you, but then I will withhold love from you. Or either I'll give you love and withhold the gift from you. I say, Lord, take all the gifts and let me have the love. For no matter how many gifts we got, they will never do us any good except the love of God is, is the motive behind the gift. We must have love. And as I see this great day appearing that we're now living in, where the selfishness and indifference amongst people, human beings, tribes of the earth, it grieves my heart. And I would think of it in a different way if he hadn't have already said that this day would be here, where they would be against each other and the things that take place. And love would, would be a strange thing in these days. Now, did you realize that you being a person as you are, that you're not altogether flesh, you're spirit and flesh? Not only that, but Jesus said that the Bible said that we are in a miniature way God. Jesus said that. We are, he said, if that was prophets and so forth of the Old Testament that Jesus were, was referring to, that it's written in your law that you're God, and if he called them God through the word of God come to, then why not himself being the Son of God when he makes himself equal with God? Now, we are in an amateur way. We are creators. Now, I want to just talk to you from my heart now before the service, because when I preach it upsets me, it's these two different anointings. One of them is for vision, and the other is for the word. And then if you go on to the Word real hard and go to preaching, then it, the service, you can't hold the vision so well. It's two different gifts. And if you're building your congregation on one and then you turn it to another, then it's, you know what I mean. So then, but being that we're small and proud yet, we want to place it as much around the Word as possible and then have a little healing service because of so many sick. Now, did you ever see someone that you just love to be around? Sure you have. There's people that you meet and associate with that you just love to be around. There's an air about them that you just love to associate with them. And then there's fine people that you know of. It's very fine people. And yet there's just something about them that you just don't feel at home around them somehow. You just... You don't want to hurt their feelings. They're your friends. You love them. But there's just a difference between them and this other person. Well, what it is, we create that atmosphere around us. And now, I'm a conservationist and of wildlife and so forth and dealt with wildlife. My mother's a half Cherokee Indian and I, I just love the wild so forth. I study God. My first study of God was through nature, watching what he did in nature, how he watches and what he does. And there's one of the greatest hindrance that there is in the church today, and right here at Edmonton, and ever, uh, not Edmonton, I didn't mean to say that, I mean Prince Albert, and, um, and among other people everywhere is fear. But love, perfect love, passes out fear. So you, the reason you're, you're fearful is because the right 
repentance of love has never entered yet. When there's real love, all fear passes away. When you really love the Lord, now I'm not condemning you, I'm only trying to bring something to light that you could look at, because after all, if there's a, these sick people sitting around, and sinners and so forth, and the differences, what makes it all? I can't believe that God's pleased with it, so there must be some remedy, and if we can find that remedy, we ought to use that. So the thing it is, it's a lack of love. No matter how many prophecies we have, how many great preachers, how much theology we know, how great a church that we belong to, if love doesn't temper that together, it's a non-offense. And even in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said, Though I speak with tongue of man-angel, I become as a sounding brass and tinkle symbol, though I have prophecy and knowledge and understand all the mysteries of God and have faith to move mountains and have not love, I am become nothing. So we people are more or less going after gifts instead of the giver. See? We must come back to the place where you're wonderful people. But you must come back first and the key that unlocks the door to everyone, we've left the key and rushed for the door. So when you get there, you find out the door don't open because you haven't got the key. Oh, I've often said this, that in my world travels, i found two different classes of people. One of them is the fundamental, the group that I come out of, Baptist. Positionally, they know where they are, but they haven't got much faith with it. And then the other is Pentecostal. They got a lot of faith, but don't know who they are. It's just like a man's got money in the bank, he don't know how to write a check, the other man hasn't got no money in the bank, yet he can write a check. If you could get the two together, you have it. <laughs> now, what the church is lacking is divine love. I don't mean affectionate love for one another, I mean the agape love, the godly love. And have it so richly in your heart until you just love the Lord and everything, you just take his word for it, you don't mistrust him. My wife is setting present. When we were married, I took her to be my wife and promised to live faithful to her until death separated her, and she promised, separated us, and she promised the same to me. Now, it is a law. When I leave and go overseas or somewhere and be away a long time, I don't have to go say, Now, Mrs. Branham, I'm going to lay down the law to you. While I am gone, I don't want you flirting with any other husband, and I don't want you doing so-and-so. I don't say that. Now, she doesn't come to me and say, Mr. Branham, and I'll tell you, you must not flirt with any other wives, and you mustn't do this or that. We don't think that. We just love each other. When I get ready to go, we kneel in the room and take hold of each other's hands and raise the other hand to God and say, Thank you, Father, for being so kind to us and for helping us. And now we must separate because you said, If you won't forsake wife, children, and all, and pray after me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. And now, Father, no matter what I would do, I'm still not worthy to be your disciple, but this is such a little thing that we can do. But we're willing to do this little thing to, for love that we have for you, and we know you have for us. 
When we get through praying, I kiss her goodbye and say, Goodbye, sweetheart. She say, Goodbye, I'll be praying for you, Billy. That settles it. <laughs> There's no thou shalt not, thou shalt. Nothing about it. Now, when I'm out into the field, and when I'm out there, and yet I would know, and I, she don't have to worry about me. I don't worry about her. As long as I love her the way I do, she'll never have to worry. And as long as she loves me, I'll never have to worry. So we got confidence in each other as husband and wife that we love one another, and that just settles it. We don't. We just go on the regular routine of life. Now, even if I know that I could do something bad and get by with it and go tell her, confess my sin and go tell her I've done wrong, yet I wouldn't do it. If she'd forgive me and say, that's all right, Billy, I know it was a case of, of this, that, and you've explained it to me, I'll forgive you, we'll just forget it. I, I still wouldn't do it because I love her too much to do that. I, I love her. I wouldn't hurt her. Yet she'd forgive me. I know it would scar her heart if I did something was wrong. And if I think that was a filial love, a human love towards my wife, how much more are I to my Savior? No matter what would be this, that, I want to please him. I want to love him. And I want him to be able to say, that's my servant. I can tell him to go here and he'll do it. And I want to say, that's my Lord. If he sends me here, I'll go. And that's what love is. It's, it's something that binds us with God. And that takes all the fear. Now, if somebody comes and says, Mrs. Branham is not true to you, I wouldn't believe it. You couldn't make me believe it. No, sir. For I have confidence in love. I would say, oh, you reckon she is? What will happen to my children? No, I wouldn't believe it in the first place. Because I love her. And as long as I love her that way, I've got that confidence in her as a woman. And no matter what you say, the days of miracles pass, God don't do this and God don't do that, you just might as well save your breath. I love him and I believe him and I take him at his word. So that settles it. That's all. God said so. And if you can get to a place where you love him, it'll cast out the fear that you have that he won't keep his word. That's really true. Now, Israel, in our text tonight, had come into a spot where God, by His grace, through His Word, had promised Father Abraham that his seed would sojourn in a strange land. And among the strange people, for 400 years, they would be aliens. But God, then at the end of 400 years, would bring them out. When the time of the promise drew nigh, as the pictures are text tonight, there came a time that God's promise was nigh at hand, and God will always keep his promise. No matter how ridiculous it seems, God keeps his promise. Do you believe that? Always keeps his promise. And sometimes it's the most ridiculous way he does it. Now Moses had failed with all of his military training to deliver people. He was trained up under Pharaoh, under his mother's Bible teaching. As he was to be a deliverer, he's trained up to take Pharaoh's place, to be the great military leader of the powerful nation who had all the world beat down. And one day he thought, it's time for me to go. I got my BA, my DD, so I'll just walk out and take things over. And he slew an Egyptian and found out that he was out of the will of God and was a stranger of the land for 40 years. But one day, back on the backside of the desert, after 40 years passed, and he was an 80-year-old man, long whiskers and white hair, hanging down from the bald spot on his head, perhaps, walking along there with a cane in his hand, 
God met him in a burning bush because God keeps his tongue. You see? God keeps his every tongue. And God had brought Moses in the world to do the job, and God was determined that Moses was going to carry out his plan. So he gave him a different kind of schooling. And I'm afraid tonight, friend, as I say it with respect and with reverence, I'm afraid that we are giving the church the wrong kind of schooling. We are giving them a schooling from the dead letter and not from an experimentalist standpoint of the new birth beneath the true and living, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, who's just the same tonight as he was in the days gone by. Moses, in the light of that burning bush, as you all know as Christians, that Moses meeting the angel of the Lord in the burning bush, he was better equipped in five minutes to talk with God face to face than he was of 40 years of training under the theology. And I'll say tonight, with all respect, here it is, you might as well button up because it's coming. Look, a man is better equipped to preach the gospel and to stand before the audience with five minutes experience before Almighty God than all the seminaries that hatch out in a hundred years of an experience. Right. If something happens, and sometimes it's ridiculous. Look at Moses, scared, running out of Egypt as hard as he could, out on the back side of the desert, looking behind him, who was coming? Is Pharaoh going to catch him? On the back side of the desert he went, married this colored girl, and had two children. Now, in pray to go back to Egypt, but in the presence of God and seeing God's glory, and God's glory was divine healing, healed his hand with leprosy and performed a miracle. Two different gifts he had. And he performed this miracle. And then, let's take a look at Moses. Look how ridiculous it seems. Now, this is to some of you people that believe that God don't do things ridiculous sometimes in your mind. See? The wisdom of the world is foolishness in the sight of God. That's right. No matter how much wisdom you got, you're still foolish in the sight of God. And God's wisdom sometimes seems to be foolish to the human mind. That's how contrary they are one to another. Look at Moses. Talk about something that seems ridiculous. Now Moses run 40 years before as a young man, trained to the very start with all the Egyptian army behind him and everything else, run from the presence of Pharaoh, and here he is 80 years old with a stick in his hand. Look at him going down the next morning. Had his wife sitting on a mule with a child on each hip, leading a little old donkey, the wind blowing on a stick, and here he goes down the way to Egypt. What are you doing, Moses? Going down to Egypt to take over. <laughs> what? <laughs> going to do what? I'm going down to Egypt to take over. The greatest military nation in the world. With the millions of armed men and chariots, and the best there was in the world would be like going into Russia or some country like that today, single-handed, going down to take over. Eighty years old, whisking for the one side, leaving you with a wife, with a child on each hip, jogging along the road. Where are you going? Down to to take over. That's a beautiful thing. Who did it? Because God said so. That settles it. No matter how ridiculous it looks to you, if God said so, that settles it. That's all. 
No matter if it seems strange, you say that they act strange, they look strange, they're peculiar. Sometimes God's people are peculiar. He said they were, you see. And they act peculiar to the carnal mind. But one time come into the presence of that same angel of the burning bush, and you'll act the same way. You'll, you'll have a peculiar lookout on things. you say, I ought to have seen that before. I ought to have known it, but it's got to be a con- converted mind. Now, here we are at our text tonight. How God wants to project to you His divine sovereign grace. Now they've come out. Here's the Israelites. They had listened to Moses. Reverently they had attended. They had took the sacrificial uh, lamb and had slain it, put the blood on the floor, over the lintel of the door and on the doorpost, a sign of the cross. As the death angel did not come to their home, they had separated themselves from all of their possessions. You know, the trouble of it is, we don't want to separate ourselves. We don't like to do that, but God wants us to separate. We want mixers, God won't separate us. And you have to come out sometime and stand alone if you ever walk with God. And so, here's Moses. Now he's brought the children out, they followed him, and they're coming out, and instead of going down to the land of the Philistines, God thought if the people said it surely, if they see war, their hearts will faint and they'll run back. So he led them to the way of the wilderness. I'm so glad that God takes us through the wilderness journey. There he can get us alone, get out alone with God. And in this wilderness experience, isn't it strange how God leads us into great tribulations and trials? Look how those Israelites were led. Look at the waters of mine and how that the wilderness of sin and all the different places, how the path of God leads. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through deep trials, but all through the blood. God leads His children strange, peculiar ways, but God works in mysterious ways. Is wonders to perform. It has to be mysterious or he couldn't perform the wonder. Here they are, separated from all they have, all their associates, brought them, brought them out under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the angel of God, a pillar of fire that was following this pillar of fire and light, and they come to a place that they were cornered. All cornered up in a little place, the wilderness on this side, the mountains, the desert, and the Red Sea here, Pharaoh's army pursuing them with their swords and their chests, and yet a people that had separated themselves and loved the Lord and believed in the Lord had been brought to a corner. I think of this little boy sitting in a wheelchair. I've seen a mother lift her child from a wheelchair. My wife said last night she sat back there and almost wept. See a little boy just so patiently playing with his little fingers, a little crippled. I think of the wonders here, maybe some of your cancer. The doctor says it just all can be done. I, my skill teaches me that 
you can do no more. And some of you, that stinking thing of heart trouble, right on you, feel good and strong and healthy, and maybe a corpse in an hour from now. Dreams, and yet Christians, but God sometimes permits that. Just to show his sovereign love to you and his sovereign grace. He wants to do it. And now how can you understand unless somebody tells you about it? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word. That's the scripture. And all things that we do must be based on the scripture or I won't receive it myself. Someone says, Brother Brandon, do you believe God does this? I said, well, I don't say that he can do anything he wants to, but I just like to say with the word. I know that's right. For God has said it. And I believe it. Now, look at Israel. Right in the corner. Death lurking right behind them. You see it? Now, maybe you're sitting in the same place tonight. You love the Lord. You moved out and come to church tonight knowing that death is right behind you. Cancer. Heart trouble. Tuberculosis. Many things the lady just called in to bring her all the way from Calgary to be here tomorrow. A mother to have a baby right away and couldn't put her in a plane. And she's making her way here by a Pullman train with TV. And to be a mother just in a few days. But she said it. She was coming with pace leaving. There you are. Hooking in her heart moving. When the deep calls to the deep. Got to be something to respond to that. Before there can be a deep calling, there has to be a, a deep to create that deep. Something calling, I believe the woman will be healed, I believe, with all my heart. A Christian, little German woman, but God surely by His grace will heal that person. Say, Brother Ben, you're a Christian in that corner. God does mysterious things to show His love. Now there's Israel, right in the corner. After stepping out, the fear of the Lord, here they are, backed right up, death charging right through the dust of the wheels are coming. The desert, they're being tangled out there somewhere, just throwing down if they started that way. There was a Red Sea before them, and they couldn't get across that. What are they going to do? Is this dream? Our Heavenly Father just sitting back and saying, we just watch this picture develop. So what did they do? They appealed their case to God. And Moses began to pray. And the Lord spoke to Moses, no doubt by vision. And Moses went among the people and said, Stand still! I love that. Stand still and see the salvation of God. That's the way to do it. Just stand still and watch it. Oh, he's real. Stand still and see the salvation of God for these Egyptians that you're looking at today, you'll see no more. How would you like to know with that car in the doctor's office that you looked at that he turned down and wrote death across it? You'll see it no more. For God will 
here he come in his magnificent grace and set you free. When love is projected, they said, Lord, we love you. We stepped out on your word. Your prophet has advised us. And we see that you're with him for the signs and wonders that you're doing with him. And we know that you're with him. And the word of God is there. And he's bid us to come, and he never told us anything contrary to your word, because you gave us the promise. Amen. There you are. God had a right to believe. Said you said so in your word that you would deliver us, and it's getting to be about that time. Here the man comes with signs and wonders for the calling that we can't dispute. We know he's your prophet, and we know that he sent that you sent him, and we love you, Lord, for we're the people of the sheep of your flock. And now we follow him, and we're out here, and we know by a sign that follows that you are with us, and here we are, and death coming behind us. Now, what was they doing? Projecting love, divine love of God. And sovereign grace will have to act in its place. You see? What happened? God said to Moses, tell them to stand still. They love me, and I'll show you what my grace is. Just stand still now. Don't be excited. Every footstep for the righteous man is ordered out of the Lord. Oh, no matter what comes or goes, God orders it. Maybe through trials, maybe through these troubles and tribulations, but as long as God's leading, what difference does it make? Could I tell them to stand still? They love me, and they are protecting to me by proving that they believe me to step out on my word, and they believe it, and now they're at the end of the road. Love is taking them as far as it can. So now I will project to them, they projected love to me, I'll project my divine grace and power to them. But tell them that at the end they can't do no more, but they still love me, and they believe me. So my grace will work now in this case. It will work tonight in your case. It will work in every case. Watch him. Then what taking place? God calls an east wind to come down. Moses didn't do a thing but walk right down to the seashore, the side of the Red Sea, and just waved his hands across the sea, went back. What happened? The pillar of power that was giving them right and leading them turned around and stood between them and the danger. And the day that was darkness to Israel, it was light all night long. I'm so glad that there's blessed, holy light. When the world's walking in darkness, the Christian walked in the beautiful light of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I remember years ago in the old Baptist church, we used to say, we'll walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy are bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. Walk in Him. The world will be dark. They'll call you everything they can call you because they're walking in darkness, but you're walking in light. He's standing between you and the danger. Then what happened? Moses didn't know, but pushed his hands out. 
Walk back, and then the Lord calls a real strong east wind to start blowing. And while Israel was comfortably, not with a bit of doubt in their heart, laying down perhaps taking a nap in the light of the angel of the Lord, and Pharaoh's army moving against one another, they didn't know what to do until God, God was working in their behalf. Oh, isn't that marvelous? God working in their behalf. What was he doing? That wind began to grow. And the sea began to move back. Then as he got the sea all, all back, then what happened? Then he began to drive the land off. Just enough for them to walk. Not the chariot wheels to roll. Just enough for them to walk. God, in his infant mercy, when divine love had carried them into the situation, divine grace was protected to those lovers, and God delivered them safely on the other side. A few days ago, in a meeting, Christian businessman at Minneapolis, I was speaking, and there was a man, Mr. Kraut, a fine Christian gentleman. I was a vendor at a great plow company in America, one of the greatest plow works in America. He's the owner of it. And he was at the platform, and I heard him in this convention giving a testimony. And he was a great friend to my friend Oral Roberts. And he loved Brother Oral. Brother Oral Roberts was a fine Christian gentleman. And so uh, he said, but he had his trust in Oral. He said, now, he had just been a, a lukewarm church member, but had come to Brother Oral's meetings and got saved, and he had received a new birth, and he said he just had a great time, but his trust was in Oral. So one day he developed a sickness. Well, you see, you can put your trust in the wrong thing. If you got your trust in a man or in your church or in your organization, you better take it out right now and put your trust with your love to Christ. It won't work. He loved the Lord, but he thought, well, oil is his representative, so I'll just, I'll go to oil. So he developed a serious trouble in his body. He goes down to have dinner with Brother Roberts, so his testimony is. And uh, Brother Roberts was talking to him, and he told him he had a serious kidney condition or something that was real bad. Oil said, well, the Lord will take care of that. Walked over and prayed for him. Said, I know you feel better. He said, yes, I do. So in about a few hours, here it was back again. He goes to oil again two or three times. Well, it wouldn't do no good. So he said, Lord, what's the matter? He said, I know what I'll do. I'll go down and stand before Brother Branham, and he'll tell me by prophecy just exactly what caused it. Well, he goes down to Shreveport where I was. He tried night after night to get in the line. He couldn't do it. No card was given cards, but he was called to come in the line. So I went from there to Mexico. So that failed him. So he goes back then to everyone that he knew was preaching about him. He had him pray, lay hands on him. Well, it didn't do no good. He said, well, he went to Mayo Brothers to find out. His doctor said it's, it's past. So he went to Mayo Brothers to find out what would happen. So when he went to there, they told him, said, you've got one chance out of 10,000 of ever coming off the table. Well, he said, I guess this is it then. So he goes home and he prays. He said, Lord Jesus, 
You know my walk before him. You know my walk now. You know that how I've tried to live for you. I've done everything. I've testified to businessmen across the country. I've given my entire life. I've, I've done all that I can since i become a Christian four or five years ago to serve you. And here it is at the end of the road. I love you, Lord. I've only got one way out now, and that's maybe if I could have the operation. I'm just trusting you. He went back, told the doctor, operate. And when he went to go to sleep, he said, Well, now, Lord, you know I love you. I want you to know that. That I love you. And if I have to be, have to die on the operating table, well, I love you with all my heart. And he went to sleep under the ether, praising the Lord because he loved me. What had? Love had come to its end. Right. He loved Brother Roberts. Brother Roberts was a man. He loved me. I'm a man. He loved other brethren. Valdez and many of the others. They were men. But then when he found out that all the men had failed, he only had one thing to look to. That was Christ. That's the one. There he's on the right track. And when he was going into the operating room, he said, Now, Lord, if I die, I love you with all my heart. They say, I've got one chance out of 10,000, these best doctors in the world, one chance out of 10,000. And when he woke up, the whole room was lit up with the glory of God. And the doctor said, I have never seen anything like it in my life. He got normally and well within just a few days. He never seen anything take place. What was it? When divine love had been projected in the right direction, Father's grace took it and took its place. Amen. It will do it every time. I wish I could tell you a few experiences of something just for a moment. How many ever read my life story? You remember in there, thank you. In there were at a maniac over in, in Tacoma, Washington, I believe, or Portland, Oregon it was. I believe the book reads that case. That one night, standing on the platform before thousands of people, a maniac run to the platform to kill me. You remember reading that? And what happened? Now, when that great big fellow moved up there, I weighed 128 pounds, and he weighed nearly 250 or 275, nearly seven foot tall, great big fellow, wild as he could be in his eyes, bulged way out. He just hit a preacher on the street. He got out of the insane institution, woke out. He had a preacher, he had a meaning for preachers. He hit the fellow, broke his jaw, his collarbone. I just read two little priests to Christ back there in the dressing room. One of their mothers had been here the night before, and they come there waiting in the room to see me, and I led them to the Lord Jesus. And while speaking on faith, this big fellow comes down to the building, run up to the platform like that, and all the preachers just scattered because they know him. And he said, you snake in the grass. You hypocrite. And he said, you out here imposing yourself as a servant of God. I'll show you how much man of God you are. I'll break every bone in that little frail body. Now, he was well able to do it. And he walked up to me with his hands like this, his teeth set together. And when he got to me, right in my face, I just stood and looked at him. And you know why? I wish I could always feel like I did then. Instead of despising that man, instead of hating that man, I felt sorry for him. I loved him. Well, I thought that man 
don't want to be like that. He, 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 no matter what he said, it's not him talking like that. He wants to be a normal man. He wants to love his babies and his wife as a sweetheart. And he wants to come in at night and take up his little babies and play with them and go out and work and come in and put his arm around his wife and, and have a home like any other man. And that's what that man, he'd be my brother. That's the devil in that poor fellow. And doing that, now listen close, in that happening, I wish that could happen right here now to every soul here. There wouldn't be a feeble person among us in the next five minutes. You can't make yourself do it. It has to be a gift of God. And while standing there, I love him. Now, for a poor fellow, and right while I was speaking, projection to him that you can't drop yourself. That's what's the matter with so-called Christianity. You're trying to act like something that you're not. You can't, you can't fool a wild animal. Many times I've walked right face to face with all kinds of wild animals. Someone said, aren't you afraid of the No, sir. I love them. And they know it. You can't fool them. I walked in, I used to do a lot of riding. I rode many years around up and so forth. Now I walked into wild horses. And somehow, in a few minutes, he had his head laid over my shoulders. I just put a blanket on him, walked in a little while with a blanket on him, then throw the saddle on him, and first thing you know, he'll be riding along. See? He loves you. And if you really love him, he knows it. Now listen, I want to tell you something. Human beings are more intelligent than animals. And you can't tell people you love them. They won't believe it unless the real thing there to prove it. So you say, oh, brother, you know we have such great fellowship and down in your heart of God. He knows different. God knows it. Your neighbor knows it. You've got to be clean and above board and say, Lord God, create in me a clean heart to love. And when that poor fellow sang there, in the depths of my soul, I felt sorry for him. And just as I was feeling sorry, the Holy Spirit began to speak and the man fell across the sea. It's wonderful to see what God can do when love. Love is the mightiest force that there is. Did you know God is love? He that loveth is of God. I don't mean affectionate love. I mean godly love. Affectionate love creates love. But I'm talking about godly love. Real love. I just like to open up my heart and tell you a little inside of my life. Would you like to know it? You're strangers. Oh, we're not. We're children of God. This is just all my heart to say this now. I was going to something else. But let's like tell you a little bit of the inside of my life. I'm so grateful tonight to the Lord Jesus for what he's let me do for his people. I love people. God knows that. I, I can't be with people like I want to be because I can't be a servant of God and a servant of man at the same time. I've got to spend my time. The man doesn't understand because he maybe he just knows one kind, one kind of love. 
but I'm in a room somewhere praying, trying to help him, and he thinks I'll be out running around eating dinner with him or something. Well, that's different, you see. He doesn't understand it, he'll never know it until we cross the river. And then, in that, but love, real, true love. I just love people. I was a, a little boy raised up at home and, and not too good a family, and, and nobody seemed to care for me, and in my own family, many of the brothers, all of them drink and smoke, and I didn't do it, and I was the black sheep of the family. When I found out that somebody really loved me, when I somebody let me know that Jesus loved me, and I thought, you mean that the very highest of all highest, the God of heaven, loved me? Well, I feel love me, and, and the first time I ever prayed, I couldn't pray. You know what my first prayer was? I was a, a hunter, lived in the woods. I was going to write my prayer out on a piece of paper and pack it on a tree in the woods. That's so he'd tell him how bad I was, and maybe I know he'd come down that path sometime. He would read that and would forgive me. I wrote it out on a piece of paper, and I got to thinking, well, they told me he was a man. And if he's a man, then he'll understand as a man. So I set, went out in the shed, it was real wet, and I got a sack and knelt down on him. And I heard people say, God, talk to me. Well, I said, now, how much I, must I hold my hands like this? Or must I do? How much I do? I didn't know how to do it, so I thought, what I'll be, I've seen a picture one time of somebody praying with their hands like this. And I got my hands like this. And I said, Dear Sir, Mr. Jesus, I wish to speak to you just a minute. Would you come up here just a minute? I want to speak to you just a minute. I said, I don't hear you. Where are you at? I said, maybe I didn't hold my hands right. And I said, maybe I'll cross my hands. And I said, Mr. Jesus, if I don't cross my hands right, if whatever I'm doing wrong, you forgive me. I don't mean to do it in the wrong way, but will you come here just a minute? I want to talk to you just a little bit. I said, I don't hear you, sir. Now, that's how much I know about God. But that there, when I love him, I said, you know what? I've been so mean that he won't even talk to me. And I said, I guess I'm lost for good then. And I started crying. I said, well, sir, I'm going to confess my sins anyhow. I said, I'm no good. And I said, you're all good. But when I was dying here in the hospital, I told you I would talk it over with you. And this is all I can do. About that time, a light circled across. And a cross come on the wall. My sins left. When love had been projected, sovereign grace took its place. It answered, just really love. That's all you have to do. Love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. It will work in a human. It'll, here some time ago I was, maybe somebody's been down in the States. I do appreciate the visit of many of you fine Canadian people as you pass by. And at the party, I was trying to cut the grass and people coming from everywhere. I'd get out there and cut my two three rows and first thing you know, I'd have to run in the house, run around behind the house and change my overhauls and, and get in and pray for some sick people and then maybe next day before I'd get away again the next morning you'll already get out and hold body out there put on overhauls and cut a couple more around somebody come by and say, hello, brother Brown, get talking and another machine go drive up. You know, the time I got to the backyard, the front was grown up again. And I was way around in behind the yard one afternoon real hot and I had my little old motor just chugging along. And I took off my shirt, nobody could see me back there, just my waistline uh, uh, trousers. And I was a mowing real hard, and I forgot about a big hornet's nest being in the corner. 
and I rammed that war machine right into that nest, and in a moment's time, I was covered all over with hornets. You know what hornets are up here? Green, big fellows. They kill you. One solid sting knocks you flat on the ground. So, and I guess it was 30 or 40, and maybe 50 big hornets, and no shirt on. And there it was all over me. You know what happened? Just before I could think, something happened. Now, this sounds very juvenile, sounds like a kid, but it's the truth. I thought, poor little fellow, you know I disturbed you? You're God's little creature. Sure, you got a stinger, that's what you protect yourself with. And you're God's creature. And I, I disturbed you, you were all resting in your nest. And I disturbed you. And instead of hating those little fellows and trying to find them, I loved them. And I said, little creatures of God, I am the servant of the Lord. I'm in a hurry. That's the reason I hit the nest or the fence. I said, God's people come in for me to pray for them, and I am the servant of the Creator, your Creator. Now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, go back to your nest. I won't bother you anymore. You go right back to your nest. And God, who will have the judgment keys at the day of judgment, those hornets were just humming as hard as they could. Not a one of them touched me. And one tucked me, and every hornet, single file, went right, right back to the nest and went inside the nest. What was it? I don't know. Something happened. Whether God converted their hearing to hear me, or whether He changed my words to their language, whether uh, a projection of that love that I had for them, something taken place. The hornets went to their nest. While I was game warden, I was going through a field. I went over to, to put some fish in a, a stream. Always supposed to pack a little pistol, and I threw the thing up in the car, and there's some fellow over across the way was sick. I was a minister at the time, so I was going over to visit this sick brother, working for my living, and I just pulled this little old gun off and threw it up in the car and shut the door, tucked out across the field. I didn't think about it. But about two months before that, a great big Guernsey male cow had killed a colored man. And he was in that pasture, and I didn't know it. They'd sold him to another fellow up there. He's a fine animal. They didn't want to kill him. So they sold him to this color, this man up here, the other place. And I was going across the field, and out in the field was a little shrub brush. All at once, this big fellow raised up. Oh, I fell for the gun, and I'm glad I didn't have it, for I'd probably killed the bull and went and paid for him. But while I was standing there looking, I looked back. I was about 250 yards and 300 from the fence. Not a tree or nothing to get into. Well, he raised up and roared and threw his horns down to the ground, shook the dirt like that, and pawed, and here he comes. I thought, well, here's the end. Well, I certainly don't want to meet my end like a coward. I want to stand and take it like a man. I thought, this is the end. And then when that boy being as far as across this arena here from me, I, instead of hating that boy, Something happened. I loved him. And I thought, now wait, I'm on his ground. He wasn't bothering me, I'm bothering him. 
And I said, Preacher of God, I am the Savior of the Lord. I'm on my way to pray for his sick child. Now, I won't bother you anymore. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, go lay down again. And I won't bother you. And that fellow here he comes, and I was no more scared of that animal than I am of my brother sitting here behind me. And here he comes. I wish it could happen now. And he runs. And when he got right within a few feet of me, he threw his feet out and he stopped. He looked this way and that way, so depleted. Turned around, walked over, and laid down. And I walked within five feet of that animal, and he just looked up at me, and I went on, went on by. When I got to the road and that left me, I shook all over. What was it? In emergency, love is protected, grace takes its place. Many years read the possum story, didn't you? There's Gene and Leo and them sitting back here now. They was at my gate. Like you are. Just about a year ago. And there'd been a young colored girl in the city, a beautiful woman, had had an illegitimate child. Now we're closing just a moment. And had this illegitimate child. And she didn't want it. She tucked a little baby and wrapped in a blanket, put water around it, smothered it to death. Had a cab driver take her out on the bridge of the Ohio River, which is stands about a mile across there, and told the cab driver she had to throw something out. And he stopped and she picked the baby over into the water. And the cab driver was suspicious and he called the Coast Guard. They seen it out as a little baby. So I said to little Gene and Leo, which I call my students, they're recording boys here. I said, that wasn't a mother. That was just, was just a female. A mother wouldn't do that. And while we were talking, up the road come something moving. I watched it. It was a possum. And a possum travels at night. If you have them here, you know they're night travelers. But I noticed him, he was dragging himself like this. And I said, look at that possum, he's coming, dragging himself in, perhaps he's got rabies. I said to Gene and Leo, we went out to look at him. And when we did, I told a rake, guard rake there over the possum, and he, instead of playing possum, he started biting at that rake. And I noticed that all of his legs was all chewed off in here, he'd been hit by a car or chewed by the dogs, and he was in a dying condition. And then, there's only two animals that have pockets, that's a kangaroo and a possum. And when the possum let in, what's the reason she was fighting about? She had nine little naked babies about that long. And those little babies were trying to nurse. Now I said, come here, Gene, you're Leo. I said, here is a possum that's a dying. Now, this possum is more of a mother than that woman was. Of course, she hasn't got 30 minutes to live because there were fly blows, maggots all over, green flies were all swelled up. And, and I said, she's got about at least 30 minutes will take her life. But she'll spend that 30 minutes for her baby. She'll fight for them. Just at that time, Mr. Woods, which is a book salesman to me, his boy had been healed, crippled up with polio, about a 16-year-old boy, and they, he is a contractor, just sold out and just follows the meetings. And there's no neighbors to me. His wife is a veterinarian. They come up. Another man come up. She said, well, Brother Bam, take the, now the possum is perhaps dying. She said, kill her, and then take the little one, so they got round mouth, they can't be put on a bottle, they're too little, and just kill them. I said, Sister Woods, they can't do it. And she said, well, Brother Bam, you're not going to let that poor old thing lay there and suffer. 
said, that's a humane thing. I said, I know you're right, but I can't do it. Well, she said, let my husband do it. And I said, no, I don't want to. She said, you mean you're going to let that poor animal lay down and suffer like that? I said, well, I just can't kill it. And said, well, just pick the loads up and hit them, and they'll be dead in a second and won't suffer. So while she was saying that, she said, well, go and get one of your guns. You're a hunter? said, shoot him. said, you're a hunter? I said, I'm a hunter, but I'm not a killer. I said, I just can't do it. The old mother possum, when I let her up, made her way up to my doorstep and exhausted. The boys are sitting here now. She laid all that day, that night. The next morning I got up. There she was laying her like just stretched out cold. She never moved more through the day and a little baby possum trying to nurse. My little girl, Rebecca, a very spiritual little child, about nine years old now. She came out the next morning real early. And she looked down. I sent her there looking at the old Mother Thompson. Just nobody there yet. Real early. And there she was laying there, dew all over, like frost, like nobody's dew. And there was a little baby still trying to nurse that looked like a dead carcass laying there. And Becky said to me, my little girl, she said, Daddy, what you going to do with her? I said, Honey, I don't know. She said, Is she dead now? And I said, I think she is, sweetheart. I took my toe and touched her like that. She didn't move, and I kicked her a little bit again. I seen that little green come. I said, no, she's still alive. And I said, look at that leg. Oh, that big around. And the ordinary would be about like that. Just blows and all, everything all over it and the flies all over it. I said, poor old thing, right on her left side. I said, just won't be long. She'll be gone. I said, honey, you better hurry back to bed. I said, you run on getting to bed, sweetheart. Too early if you'd be up. I walked into the little room to the side, and I sat down there and was rubbing my head like this where many great visions of tough place. I was rubbing my head, and I thought, well, I don't know what I'll do with that old possum. I can't let him kill her. I just can't do it somehow. And sitting there like that, I heard something say to me, well, you preached a sermon on her yesterday to them boys about her being a real mother. I said, that's right. I, I, I say she was a mother. I said, well, I said, I sent her to you, and she's laid at your gate for 24 hours or your step waiting to be prayed for like a lady. And you've never said anything about it yet. Well, I said, I didn't know that. It, I thought, who am I talking to? I thought, I, I couldn't be talking to myself. I thought, is that God? Well, I know he deals with why he, he knows the sparrow. He knows his wildness. I said, Lord, if that be so, I walked back out and little Becky was still standing there. And I walked out and I was where the old mother tossed him up. And I said, Heavenly Father. If you, my sovereign grace, this poor dumb brute that doesn't have a soul, but yet she wants to live to raise her baby, and you sent her to my doorstep to be prayed for, and she's laid here 24 hours, and I didn't know it, I said, forgive your servant for being so stupid. And I pray that in Christ's name, that if you sent her here, that you'll do something for this person. Even though it's a dumb brute, but you're the God who created it. So if you wanted me to pray for her, you forgive me, and I pray that you'll heal her. And friends, God, my solemn judge, that old possum turned over and looked at me, picked up her little babies in her pocket, that leg just gone with the other, stood it down to the gate, that tail picked up like that, turned around, looked at me, and just said, Thank you, kind sir. Right down the road it went, not even a lip, and went to the woods. And as far as I know, they're happy with their babies tonight. What is it? 
I've seen that happen time after time. When love is projected, all his grace will have to come in and take its place. If God, our Father, was concerned about an ignorant, dumb brute as a possum, well, that possum knows more about divine healing than half the preachers in Canada. That's right. Or America, he's That's right. She knows how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And she come as an ignorant, dumb brute and waited. And God, my judge, and I'll stand before you at the day of judgment, knows that he laid his healing hand to that dumb brute and made her well. Because I believe in my heart she wanted to live for those babies to show an example that when human beings get away from God, they drop farther and lower than the animals as that walk the streets and the fields. That's right. She loved it. And grace took its place. How much more are you tonight than that old possum? How much more is that mother standing there with her baby? How much more is this mother with her baby? How much more each one of you, and then how much more value are you? Jesus said about the sparrows. Not one sparrow, he said, could fall to the street without the Father knows it. So how much more value are you than sparrows? Don't your Father know what you have need of? Now, there's only one way that God can do this. That's for you to have love for him that will cast out all the fear that you have that he won't do it, and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Then he will come down here tonight and manifest himself here at the platform and out in there that he's alive and among you. That's great. Then he'll do the same thing for you tonight he did for the possum or any other if you'll just believe him. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee tonight for Jesus. We thank thee for the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts for the Holy Ghost. And now, Lord, through the speaking of the Word and being yet lengthy and the crowd's not gathered yet, we thought it wisdom maybe to speak to the people a little longer at length tonight. And so I pray now that in the next few moments after I have spoke of you, will you declare yourself to be a living and alive among us tonight and let them know that your grace is just as great tonight to them as it was at any time. And if they'll only love you, you will give your grace to them freely, forgiving their sins and healing their sickness. Grant these things, Father God, I pray in Christ's name, amen. All right. We're going to call some more people to the platform. Now I'm going to ask you to do something for me, if you will. If you'll just kindly keep your seats and let the little ones stay right close to you. Don't go one move. Just stay right where you are, just for a little bit. Now I'm going, let's see, let's call, I believe they had a hundred cards out last night. I believe I called from one to fifteen last night. Was that right? That's the first part. Let's call the last part tonight, then. That would be 85 to 100. All right? Let's call. Just get about that as many uses as I can get to. Sometimes if it's running good, I can get 20 or 30. Sometimes we don't get but two or three. But it just depends on how the faith of the people is built. All right. Who has prayer card 85? Hold up your hand. Prayer card 85. All right. Would you come over here? Prayer card 85. 86. Who has prayer card 86? All right? 87, 88, 89, 90. All right. Where's Billy Paul or one of the ushers or somebody? Brother Joseph, would you help him down there if you would? All right. Now I'm going to call this few more and see where we get. We can't tell. The prayer cards are mixed up. They're given out. We just call out from anywhere. All right. 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90. 
That's five. One, two, three. Too many. <laughs> All right. Ninety-one, ninety-two, ninety-three, ninety-four, ninety-five, ninety-six, ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine, one hundred. Line up as your numbers are called, if you will. Thank you, Brother Jim. Now, while we're waiting just for a moment, maybe if they don't come, maybe we can call some more and get them lined up in line. All right? Now, those whose numbers are called, so we can just have reverence. How many of you here that is sick and most to Lord you, you, you haven't got a prayer card? Let's see your hand. Everywhere. Everywhere. All right. How many here has never been in one of my meetings? Let's see your hand. Quite a few. All right. Now, while they're lining them up, we'll see how many they all get there. Then um, I want to ask you something. Now, if you will, please, just for a few moments, be real reverent. Please. Just be reverent. We're in the house of God. So now, I want to ask you something. Do you believe that Jesus is raised from the dead? Raise your hand. Do you believe that Jesus Christ lives tonight and is raised from the dead? All right. Then if he's raised from the dead, then the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? How many believe that? Now, I want to ask you something. If he was here on earth tonight, where would you find him? What, ki- what type of people would you find him with? The poor. Is that right? If he's the same, he's with the poor then. And would he be with the scholars and the educated? No. No. Very few of them are saved. Well, then you say they're very fine culture that doesn't have nothing to do with it. Those purposes and the high priest and the holy righteous man seemingly but what is sin? Would you like to know what sin is? Let's see your hands. Would you like to know what sin is? Sin is only one thing. Unbelief. He that believeth not condemned already. You know smoking cigarettes is not a sin? You know cursing using God's name in vain is not sin? You know committing adultery is not sin? Certainly it isn't. That's the attributes of sin. That's the attributes of unbelief. You do that because you're not a believer. If you're a believer, you wouldn't do that. A peach tree bears pieces because it's a peach tree. It's got peach tree life in it. Is that right? Yes, sir. See, it's attributes of things. It's the attributes of unbelief. If you believe, those things become dead to you. But if you're not a believer, then those fruits and signs follow you. Now, I want you to be real reverent. Now, what did Jesus do in this case? What would he do if he was here? If he acted like he did in the days when he was here in his flesh. Now he's here tonight in the form of what? Spirit? Is that right? Say amen. Spirit. Now, when he was here on earth, he said, I can do nothing in myself. How many of he says that? How many of that Jesus said in St. John 5, 19, Very, very, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing, that does the Son likewise. How many know that St. John 5, 19? Then Jesus never did one thing until the Father showed him by vision according to his own word, which is infallible. He's God, and he could not lie. He said, Verily, verily, that's absolutely positive. I say to you, the Son can't do nothing except he sees the Father doing it first. That's right. When he was here on earth, when a Philip came to him, and Nathaniel found Philip, or Philip found Nathaniel, rather, when he comes, he knew him. He said, you're a righteous man, a man who is no God. 
and he told him where he was. Is that right? Before he, how many knows he did that in St. John the first chapter? He told Philip, or, or told Nathaniel, what kind of a man he was, what his trouble was, and where he was at when Philip found him. And what did the Pharisees say? They said he's a fortune teller. Beelzebub. And Jesus said, you said that against me, the Son of Man, I'll forgive you. But when the Holy Ghost is coming and does the same thing, you said there's never forgiveness. How many know the Bible says that? Right? All right. This is the Holy Ghost dispensation now. Christ coming. As he's being glorified. There's no excuse of him. Now, I want to ask you something else. What did the, what did the man the miracle has done, or what did he say about it? He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Is that right? The woman at the well, he spoke to her and talked to her to find out where her trouble was. When he found it, he told her. And she said, Now, you must be a prophet. She said, We know that when the Messiah cometh, he'll do these things. But who are you? He said, I'm him. Is that right? I mean, well, that's right. St. John, well, sure. A woman touched his garment one time and went out and sat down in the crowd and stood up or wherever she was. And Jesus said, Somebody touched me. And they said, Everybody denied it. She denied it. No, I never touched it. But Jesus said, I, Peter said, Why, Lord, everybody's touching you. Why say, Who touched me? He said, I perceived that I got weak. Virtue went out of me. said, Somebody touched me. Then he looked around until he found the person. And he told her about it. Now, if she touched his garment and got what she wanted, she pulled God to Christ. Does the Bible say he can still be touched? The Bible said he's the high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Is that right? So you can touch him tonight. And if you yield yourself to the love of God, and I yield myself to the love of God, God will project his presence with us and do the same things that he did when he was here on earth. Do you believe it? He said he would. Jesus said, do things that I do, shall you do also. And more than this shall you do, for I go to my Father, because there could be more places than one. How many knows he said that? And he said, a little while in the world, the world is the unbelievers, the world will see me no more. No matter what would take place, there's people that's born to to be disbelievers. They were born with that spirit in them. We'll go out of this world that way. The Bible said, foreordained of old. Jews said so. To this condemnation. You know that? Wouldn't you hate to be that person? Now, look at Cain and Abel. Look at Esau and Jacob. Before either was born, God knowed them. He said, I hate Esau and love Jacob. See? Before knowledge, he knew it. And there's people that won't believe. And so Jesus said a little while, and then unbelievers which will be massive by the millions. They won't see me anymore. Yet you shall see me, the believer, for I... As I said, it's a personal pronoun. I will be with you, how long? To the end of the world. I'll be even in you to the end of the world. And the very same things that I do, shall you do also. And the Bible said that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, if he will come and do that tonight, as the same that he did it, and he promised he would do it, and if we'll project that love to him, he's duty-bound to do it. Now, God has set the church, some teachers, evangelists, prophets, all for the perfecting are going to church together. Now, I don't say that he will, but visions to me 
just the same as you eat your dinner. The first thing I remember was a vision. When I was born, Mother Earth, you've heard the story how the light stood there. When I was just a little boy, the first thing I remember, he met me out there in the woods, right behind the yard. I was have been over two years old or more. A little bitty boy, full little rock. My brother was crawling behind me, which is just a year old, a year younger than I. And we were standing there. And he told me where I would live at. And I went and told Mama. And he, all along, down through life, he's told those things. Not one time has it ever failed. It never will. See? I keep record and watch when it says, Thus saith the Lord. Sometimes me talking, then when I yield myself, it's him talking. So it's just me that I yield myself just like here. It has nothing to do with it. When you yield yourself, he just takes over. Now you yield yourself to him out there. And you're in the prayer line. Every person here, are you all there? Everything. All right? Everybody's lined up. Everybody in the prayer line, if I'm strangers, you raise up your hand. If you don't know me and I don't know, raise your hand. Up high in the prayer line. How many out there knows that I don't know you? Raise your hands. Everybody out in there knows that I don't know you. You see, I, see? All right? No matter where you're at. Now, here's what we are putting God. Now, there's one thing right or wrong. This Bible is either the truth or it's an error. If it's an error, let's close up this building tonight and walk away from here and forget about Christianity. There's no such a thing. But if it's the truth, then Jesus Christ is duty bound to stand by his word and, and project himself in his church where he says, his word said the same things that I do shall you also, even more than this where I go to my Father. A little while, and the world will see me no more, yet you will see me, for I will be with you to the end of the world. The Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, to every person in here, if Christ will come tonight and do the same thing that he did when he was here on earth, the only thing besides the corporal body, that's sitting on the throne of God. How many know that? Waiting for him to return to that body, but he's here tonight in our body. And there's gifts in the church, and we just yield ourselves, and then the Holy Spirit will do some Now, please, be real ready, and I'll just set the place. And if you're sick, say, Heavenly Father, do this for me. I know the man don't know me, but I love you, and I'm going to put this to a test tonight. Have the man to speak to me. Have the man to speak to me, call me. I know something that's wrong with me. And if you will heal me of that, you may turn around and tell me what it is. I'll believe you. That's exactly the Bible. That's perfectly the scripture. It's Jesus Christ. Exactly what the Bible is. See, most people have been taught in one regular school and they can't get away from that. That's the reason they fail to see Jesus when he comes the first time. They, they had their own way the way the Messiah was coming. But he come born in a manger, and he said, that's not our Messiah, see? And today you're expecting to come to the Vatican City or the High Church of England or somewhere like that, some great aristocrat, and he's right down with the poor, moving around, and they know it not. Right. I don't say he went to deal with a Catholic or with an Anglican or with a Presbyterian or with a Pentecostal or with a Nazarene, whoever you are, Jehovah Witness or whoever you are, that doesn't matter. The thing it is, if your heart is right with him, he'll be with you. Now, Heavenly Father, I've spoken to you. I've told people of your goodness and mercy. Now, yield my soul to you. Help down me, Heavenly Father. 
that these people at the day of judgment will not stand before them, and with them, before them, then there will be no excuse. I pray that you will grant me blessings in the name of thy beloved child, the Lord Jesus. Don't move around, please. Just let me just a few minutes. Boys, don't let me stay long. Oh, you're in another world. This is something that takes a lot of time. How many know the baby and most of the Bible is what it does? Let's see your hand. But Daniel saw one baby and he troubled his head for many days. I just feel that. All right, brother, talk to us on the dream. How do you do, sir? Now, here's uh, a man standing before me, which is a stranger. I, I don't know the man. I've never seen him in my life. We're total strangers to each other. And I, if there's something wrong with the man or with any of the rest of you, and I could help you and would do it, I do believe. I wouldn't be worthy to stand behind the sacred desk and speak the word of the Lord Jesus. I wouldn't be worthy. I'd be a lawful person. But I'm trying my best to forget that God has given because let's just see what he does. Now, I'll show you the grace today. Now, these are the things that we are here, sir. We don't know one another. We've never met one another, never seen one another, and they're different in age. And perhaps he's a, a Canadian, and I was born in the States, and here we are, two different nations, and we're just saying, yes, sir. Well, now, now here, we don't know one another. Now, God knows what he's here for. I'm going to see the word of I've never seen him. But I want to ask you something. This is good. Now, God may not do it, but if he does, if the Holy Spirit will come down, and I'll talk to him, just like when Samuel brought or come before Jesus, and Jesus said, Behold, an Israelite, and whom does your God? Did he say that? And what did the man say? Rabbi, a preacher, teacher. How did you know him? Why, he said, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw him. Saw him, but he Why, he said, you're the son of God, you're the king of Israel. Now, now, the best people are never afraid of But we as Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ promised them the same thing for being church and he will be manifested until he comes again. You believe it, don't you? And if you know good, the man standing here, the man before God and God standing here, knowing that we know nothing of one another, then God is not here. You believe that? And if he does it and will do it, would every one of you accept Jesus as your Savior and Savior in the world? For your Savior and Savior in the world. That's now, maybe friends, I said, now, to talk to you, I just want to contact you just exactly the way it would be if, if uh, I was, uh, just like Jesus said, the woman at the well, he began to talk to you. just got you speaking, and uh, it's changing all. But we, being friends to one another, and not knowing each other, then God would have to do something. And if something would come to me and Lord would let me know something about you that you know that I don't know, and not knowing me, I don't know nothing about you, so then you will have to come from some kind of a supernatural force. Is that right? 
then you'd accept it to be the Lord Jesus, because I have plainly stated it before the Bible. Well, you believe it. That's fine. The Lord blesses that. That's very fine. Now, I trust that you'll do it. Now, see if I'd say to you, maybe uh, something's wrong, I'd say, go ahead, Mr. Lord, you're all right. Let's say it's all right. You'll be all right. You have a right to doubt that, because that's me thing. But with something here, he knows what you have here. Then you bring that back to your Then you know the legend of Then you believe that it was Christ. You said it wasn't flesh or something like that. You believe it was Christ. Now, I'm waiting for him to answer. I'm talking to him, and he answers to me. And then when he comes to me, I can only say what I see. That's all. And you won't have to say that. You just see the judge. If he does. Now, if he's constantly. The Lord Jesus, I take every spirit in this building under my control for the glory of God. And I feel his anointing moving down my eyes, that light coming to me, the angel of the Lord. The same one that does the children of Israel, which was right. This man who standing before me, he's suffering with a nervous trouble. He's got a, a kidney trouble also. That is right. Now, it's a Now, you know where that is true. Is that true? That is true. And the audience knows that is true. Now, just to talk to you a moment. This is where, now look, audience. you believe now? Then it's not over. But now it's that true. It don't make any difference. God's attitude towards this man is his attitude towards you. But now, the Jesus is what lives for them. So, let me just speak to him just a little while longer. You see what the Lord would say? So, it, maybe it would get to me, but it was just so to see. After a while, we'll get to pray and then we'll start praying for him another way. But you just listen. For your faith of him now, the man is a real believer because his spirit is united here. Wonderful. So I uh, maybe the Lord would let me speak something that would encourage you or others. I don't say that he would. That's just whatever it will. I can say. But I believe I was talking to you something about your trouble that you had. Yes, I see something else. Now, the man is coming to this city. He, uh, he isn't from this city. He's from away from here. But he's still, uh, it's uh, in Canada. It's in Canada, and it's kind of southwest from here. Right. And it's a city called Beeching or something like that. And your, your name is Collins. It's your A. Collins. And in your age, you're about 77 years old. That's correct, correct. You got a child that you want me to pray for. That's a girl. She's only about 10. And she's got a bad arm. That's stuck praying for all. You believe that this morning? I bless thee, my brother. May you receive whatever you have come for in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. You believe the Lord Jesus? 
ที่มันแจ้งเลยรู้เปล่าเป็นอะไรแต่เดิมก็เป็นแค่ไหนอยู่ดีดีที่ทางชีวิตเรามันไม่ได้เลยเป็นเงินไม่ได้เป็นอะไรเป็นเปล่าเป็นแค่ไหนอยู่ดีดีที่ทางชีวิตเราอยู่ดีดีที่เราต้องต้องให้เราดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดูดู
the Holy Spirit, the same angel of God. Do you believe Jesus Christ is in the form of life today as his resurrection? You know the Bible says that? The last apostle had ever found Jesus. What did he see when he was the last one to see Jesus? Preacher? Paul. What kind of condition was he in? A light. Who was it? A light came to the cell of that man. That man got Peter out of the prison. You're saying that's so sweet now. And you believe, sister? Then if that's you speaking through here, you believe it. Then it has to be a believer, would it? Then he said, if they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Do you believe that? Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, this poor lady walking in shadows, I pray for her and ask that in Christ's name, just now, that you will make her well and deliver her in Jesus' name. You believe, lady? I don't know you, but God does know you. Are you aware that Christ the Son of God is here? You're scared, aren't you? No, you're scared. Jesus lives. He wants me to get away from the fear. How are you afraid you got cancer? That's right. On the bread. That's right. What if I told you you didn't have it? But you were healed when you were standing around in my bed. You believe it? Hallelujah. There are many of you who are healed before you get here. And they were born to the Lord and I rejoice. Believe God. Thank God. Believe in the Lord and God. In Christ's name, Come You believe God, you need that back to you be all that Hurt you, bother But you believe that He will who know you. You believe that He'll make you well? Lord, in Christ's name, I bless my sister for her healing just now. Amen. God bless you. Oh, amen. Now, someone's thinking that other than me, that's wrong. Look here. Anyone who you look at the sight, you can take a number of you. I won't look at the lady. Ladies, you lay your hand on my If God the Father will show to me what's wrong with you as I look this way and don't, I ask the people to look at me because it's just a, it's a many different spirits and everyone is pushing in. If God will reveal to me what's your trouble, will you accept Christ as your healer? If you will, raise up your hand if you got on All right, I put your hand down. If you agree with all your heart, God be believing you'll be well. You believe it well? Thank you. Go ahead and hear it. God bless you. Let's say praise be to God. Now, let's say this person now. Now, ladies, just lay your hand on mine. Do you believe with all your heart? Now, look. You're extremely nervous. And the nervousness is because you've got a lady's trouble, a female trouble, that you want me to pray for. Isn't that right? That's right. Just raise up your hand. That female club was bad, too. And you had jeans, especially on your left side of it. That's right. That's an awesome. 
the opening. Paul says, it's raining. But if you believe with all your heart, it'll leave you. But what you believe now, Father, I bless the woman. In the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus, Father, he I pray. Amen. All right. Dear, you believe? I do. I see you in the city. You're moving down the street. Seems to be kind of early in the morning. And you're getting off from the sidewalk and you're stooping real easy as you get off. Or the ladder. Making you stiff and sore. And when you get up at morning, sometimes it gets you so bad. That's true. Is that right? Do you believe you're in his presence? I do. Will you accept him as your healer? I do. Then I bless you, my beloved sister, in Christ's name for your healing. Amen. Go believe it. Do that. Have faith in God. You believe? Sir, you believe God? You believe me to be his servant? You love talking, don't you? Asthma is an awful bad thing. But God's the healer of asthma. Do you believe that? With all your heart? That's right. You have another little trouble, which this man your age would actually have, getting up at night at night. Wait this moment. Everyone ready. That's Saturday. Something's wrong. Here is it, Christian. The Holy Spirit's moving in the audience. Look here again, sir. The man sitting right there, looking at him. Both of you. You had prostate trouble. That's right, sir. You had prostate trouble. See them demons sympathizing one with another? He thought he'd get out of that Satan did. But he failed. That's good faith for you, sir. You want to accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Will you do it? Will you stand here and teach you to accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior? That's right. You've never confessed. You repent and you want to accept Jesus as your Savior? Then Christ is God for good of sins and he is covered in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The home well is spiritual, brother. You do the same thing, my brother. The Lord Jesus be on you. Christ, the Son of God, to do this now. 
with her. Now, lady, just stop with you a second. Answer something. You've been nervous for quite a while. That started during the time of those menopause. And through this time, you've been getting the sick spell, stomach trouble. You can't eat well. Your food don't digest well. It's a peppy condition in the stomach. You want to eat your supper? You want to go eat and feel right in? I see you moving away from the table. You see, just keep moving back like that. And I know that it's in your stomach. That's right. Would you believe now with all your heart? Our Heavenly Father, I bless this woman in the name of the Lord Jesus that you will heal her and make her well. For God's glory, amen. All right. You believe with all your heart? How many of you believe? How many times you believe? As a black shadow hanging over that man sitting on that chair. There you know you're dying. A cancer. Jesus Christ can make you well. Do you believe it? I've never seen you in my life. There's a black shadow hanging with you. That's you and the shadow to death. Look, doctors can't do them for you now. You passed then. There were some lepers laid at the gate one time in Samaria. And they were willing to die. They were starving in the city, so if they went to the city, nothing could happen. If they laid there, they were sure they would die. They said, We've got one thing. If we go down to the enemy, the spearmen who had the city to see, said, Maybe we'll have to lose you. God, in His power's mercy, had mercy on them, and their life was saved. And not only that, but they saved others. The Bible says. Now you're laying in the same shape with the end of the road. But you're not asked to go to an enemy. You're welcome at the Father's table tonight. You're expected to come. He said he's spirit for you What about you people who feel this? What about you people who live? Look at the wheel, so you think I'm broken. Fool you not. You think I'm going to be there to do fool you not. 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 And this morning, I'm going to ask you, how you go along I know it's not going to be go, but then it's heading in the building. I know it's going to go. I don't know if one of the things go, but I have to do that tomorrow. Please, you promised me the word.